The Sacramento Kings no longer have the element of surprise. Teams know they're a great basketball team and are especially lethal on the offensive end of the ball. But are the Kings still somehow an under-the-radar team, especially in the Western Conference? Jay Mars joins me to discuss this on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E Medical. Com. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer at ABC 10 News. And many of you know that before I was at ABC 10 here in Sacramento, I worked for Sacktown Sports 1140 Radio, where I met my guest today and worked with my guest today for many years, Jay Mars, who is no longer at Sacktown Sports 1140, just recently uh, uh, left uh, the radio station for uh, bigger, bigger and better things. But he is still a very, very gifted uh, basketball mind, someone who I am still very much going to take advantage of and have on the uh, Locked on Kings podcast whenever I can have him on, uh, as well as ABC 10 content too. So I'm not letting Jay Mars escape fully from sports talk. He's going to continue to join me here on the Locked on Kings podcast uh, whenever or whenever we're able to, to snatch some of his time. But I wanted to have Jay Mars on because I knew he'd have some interesting perspective on this that's kind of been bouncing around in my head a little bit. Like the Sacramento Kings are a team that, that like I said in the intro, they're no longer surprising anybody. People know that the Kings are a playoff team. People know the Kings are good. People know they're especially good on the offensive end of the floor. They know how the Sacramento Kings like to play. Uh, they know which weapons the Kings lean on. They know what Mike Brown is trying to do and what system he's trying to incorporate. Now, that doesn't mean that the Kings aren't going to bring anything new to the table. We would hope they would debut and bring some new things to the table, particularly as a team defense to help improve this team overall. You don't want to be completely predictable, but even if the Kings are predictable, they're going to be very difficult to stop, especially on offense. Now, that being said, even with the expectation that the Kings are a playoff team, it does still feel like they're under the radar a little bit. It does still feel like expectations are not as high for them as they should be, or that maybe national media members, fans, other teams might not be taking the Kings as seriously as you would expect a reigning Pacific Division champion and third uh, overall seed in the Western Conference last season. You would expect them to be treated maybe a little more, taken a little more seriously than it seems like the Kings are. So we're going to discuss that. If the Sacramento Kings are an under-the-radar team, plus more uh, about this Kings team going into this Kings season, I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Jay Mars. And if you want to respond to anything, of course, you can do so on Twitter at Sack. You can email me, mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. If you're watching on YouTube, 
feel free to jump into the conversation in the YouTube conversation uh, uh, comment section down below. But for now, here is my uh, interview, my conversation with Jay Mars. The Sacramento Kings aren't surprising anybody anymore. The beam is well known. Teams are gearing up and preparing to play a playoff team every time they play Sacramento. So the element of surprise not on Sacramento's side any longer. However, that doesn't mean the Kings aren't going to be incredibly difficult to game plan for and to beat. And are they still potentially, because they didn't make any major splash moves this offseason like other teams in the West did, are they still potentially an under-the-radar team? Well, here to discuss that a little bit is my good friend Jay Mars. Worked for him or worked with him, sometimes for him, for many, many years uh, at uh, at Sacktown Sports 1140 and Sacramento Sports Radio. He has just recently moved on from that, doing bigger and better things, which I'm so excited for you, my friend. But that doesn't mean we're not going to still bring you back to Locked On Kings and to ABC 10 when we can get your uh, your expert uh, opinions and thoughts on Kings basketball as we get closer and closer my friend it's a pleasure to have you on thanks for coming thank you for uh having me i know we haven't talked since i think pre-trade deadline so it's been a while but always happy to be here join the show and uh talk all things sacramento kings because it's varying opinions on this team depending on who you ask this is the best team in the pacific this is also the worst team in the pacific division <laughs> so happy to dive in and give you my thoughts on it well, one thing at least we can all agree on is, isn't it great going into a season with not just expectations, but high expectations? And and whether you're at the top of the expectation list, like some people are or at the bottom of the expectation list, there still is the general belief that the Kings are a good basketball team. And that's fun. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been the first time we've been able to go into an offseason and prepare for a regular season with this team being an expected playoff team in about 16 years. So I think it's a unique feeling for everybody that's involved. The one thing that's really gotten me this offseason, I don't know if it's affected you the same way, is now that the Kings are quote-unquote a good team, doesn't it feel like this offseason has dragged like no yes. other before it? Yes. Oh my God, you're 100% right. Because we put usually so much weight into the offseason. And this was still an important offseason for moves and stuff. But every offseason for the Kings has been massive draft pick importance of summer league and man the kings need to make moves to finally turn themselves around well now we know the core here is good it's just about getting the core back together in the gym when the calendar turns you're 100 right yeah no and it's like you've already seen kind of you, you see little little hints that that core is in the gym together is doing stuff together you know i think the De'Aaron fox uh, I, I like to call it De'Aaron and Rasay adopting Keegan Murray. Yes. This summer, I think, has been one of my favorite storylines. And, you know, you saw De'Aaron and Rasay sit down with Jason Moe and talk about how much more they expect from Keegan, both on the court and off the court, which I think is an exciting development here in Sacramento. You know, the Zankoff signing, seeing JaVale McGee come in and shake hands with De'Aaron Fox. You can tell they're already in the gym getting working. So, yeah, man, it, it's definitely uh, it's an exciting offseason. And, this is the most excited I've been for Kings basketball since probably as a teenager, if I'm being like just 100% honest with you. <laughs> well, very soon we're going to see the Pacific Division champions returning uh, to action. First off, Jay, we've got two Pacific Division banners in there. Do you think there should be a third or they should just like let that die off? Okay, so like that has been like the topic of the summer. It's weird that we're talking about <laughs> Pacific Division titles, but here we are. <laughs> I, I think that I think the happy medium there is is one banner that just lists the years that you won it. Because if you unveil another division title banner like teams do for their first game of the year when it's the NBA title, it is a little small town and kind of embarrassing. But hey, man, just having 
one banner that lists the years you've won it. I don't think anyone's going to laugh at that. So I think that's the happy medium there with that one. Especially if you're unveiling it in front of the Golden State Warriors who are used to unveiling and getting ring ceremonies and stuff like that. You're going to see, I, I, you know, you see the famous video of Draymond Green laughing when Fergie's doing the national anthem at, at the uh, All-Star game years ago. It would be that like tenfold. You'd see Steph and Draymond and so many guys on the court just busting up laughing if the Kings broke out another Pacific Division banner. But damn it, they earned it. Yeah, no, they earned it. But you're right. You don't want to be like, because at that point, you're going to be a sports center, not top 10. You're going to be a Shaq to the full candidate. And it's like all the good vibes that this team in this city has right now. You don't want to start the season off in a joking way. So yeah, no, let's not do an individual banner again. One banner list the years they've won it and cool <laughs> well the kings might need to raise a banner just to remind people that they won the pacific division last year because jay the most most people that you talk to and most like breakdowns and power rankings and things like that have the kings finishing bottom in the pacific division this upcoming season now granted all five teams made the playoffs last year i think the expectation is all five teams will make the playoffs this year is that disrespectful or do you think that's pretty fair based off of just how stacked this division is? I don't like to use the word disrespect because I don't think anybody is necessarily necessarily sliding the Kings. I think the big thing is, and this happens every offseason, especially with the national media, is everybody gets these big googly eyes when they see teams like Phoenix make the deal for Bradley mm-hmm. Beal. Or, hey, it's the re-up of the Lakers. They've reloaded the roster, which they did. I actually thought the Lakers had a really good offseason. Oh, Chris Paul. The name Chris Paul is now a Golden State Warrior. I'll get back to that in a second because at this point, I think a lot of it is a name, Chris Paul. Of course, you're talking about the Clippers. They have Kawhi and Paul George. But then everyone kind of forgets, like, look at all four of these teams, whether it's the Lakers with AD and LeBron, the Clippers with Kawhi and PG, the Phoenix, whether it's uh, Katie, Beal, you get where I'm going with this. All these teams are going to get hurt. Like, mm-hmm. I know you can't predict injuries, but I think this is the one safe bet that all four teams in the Pacific Division, not named the Sacramento Kings, are going to have veteran players that go down this year. So what does that mean? If all these teams were healthy, if you could tell me that the Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, and Suns were healthy, 80, 75 games, their star players all play. Yeah, the Kings aren't winning the Pacific Division. I think that is just by when you look at the rosters pound for pound, that's a fair assumption. Mm-hmm. But again, go through and look at what these guys have played over the last few years. Kevin Durant is not going to give you a fully healthy season. Bradley Beal hasn't been fully healthy in three years. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, I don't even need to get into that. <laughs> Same thing with AD and LeBron. Again, these guys get hurt. It's a yeah. natural thing. Then last year, go to Golden State. Steph Curry missed time last year. Chris Paul missed a lot of time last year. So I don't think people are necessarily intentionally disrespecting the Kings. It's really not considering the fact that all four of these other teams are going to have major injuries during the regular season. It's just a given. Well, I think all five of these teams certainly care less about winning the division than they do securing a playoff spot and making a deep playoff run. So really, the Pacific Division part of this is is a moot point. The reason why I bring that up is because Are the Sacramento Kings in some capacity still a team that you think could be kind of sliding under the radar or could be being treated 
less than what they actually are or less of a threat than they actually are because of the teams like the Phoenixes and the, the Lakers and the Warriors. And I mean, even the Dallas Mavericks to some extent with a full season of Kyrie and, uh, and Luca together, of course, the defending champion Denver Nuggets. Like there's so many really, really good teams in the West, which rightfully does have Kings fans concerned about regression. But at the same time, if the Kings can be even slightly better than what they were last season, why can't they upgrade or improve to like a 50-win team and remain a top four seed? Well, they won 48 games last year, right? So slightly better to me would be 50 games, which probably secures you. I don't know that. And again, it's going to all depend on injuries in the West. You mentioned yes. the Dallas Mavericks. This is a team that didn't even make the playoffs last year with Kyrie and Luka in that second half of the season. We don't even know what that's going to look like. Um, I, I'm not big on Dallas. I, I don't I'm think Jason good. Kidd is a very good head coach. And I'm not sure the Kyrie Luka duo with the complementary pieces that they currently have around them really scare me much at all. I, I think you got a pretty decent sample size of that uh, late last season. But as far as the Kings flying under the radar, of course, because the Kings didn't make any splashy moves, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of almost deja vu to last NBA trade deadline where it was like, I think the Kings at that time were probably still sitting in that third seed and everyone's like, okay, now the big boys are coming. The Clippers reloaded. Look at the moves the Lakers made. Dallas grabs Kyrie. Phoenix grabs KD. And all of that happening at the deadline. You know, the Kings' one move was Kessler Edwards, who, by the way, ended up for basically getting him for free, I thought was right. a decent complimentary piece towards the end of the season. Sure. But it's kind of deja vu like that. I think in the NBA, we have forgotten that there is something to continuity. And keeping a team together and letting them grow and develop together, especially when you talk about on the defensive end, I expect this team to make a big leap defensively just because you'll have more continuity. I think the team defense will improve this season. So, yeah, I, I think the Kings do fly under the radar because they didn't make any real big splashy moves. You know, you re-signed DeMontis Sabonis to the, uh, to the extension. Obviously, you re-signed Trey Lyles. You re-signed Harrison Barnes. Again, you keep the core together. It's not sexy, but... I think especially in today's league, right, because of all the movement we see, whether it's the offseason or the trade deadline, everybody's looking for that sexy, splashy move. But the sexy move is not always the best move. Sometimes continuity is the best move. Just ask the Denver Nuggets. That's mm -hmm. literally how they have built a title team. You know, it wasn't just a straight shot to the top. This is a team that kept their core together, added pieces around it. But, man, they, they you know, they were a very roller coaster team on yes. their way to the title. But Jamal Murray – and, you know, Nikola Jokic, that core was always there. And I think the Kings and small market teams in general kind of have to replicate what Denver did and go with continuity because you're not going to be able to make those splashy moves that the big market teams can make. Yeah, the market, I think, is is essential, too. I'm glad you pointed that out because the Kings still have to remember what city they play in. And, of course, that's not a dig to Sacramento. We love Sacramento. We love it here. And we know players love it here. And, and Sacramento was showcased last season with finally returning to the playoffs. And I think the NBA wants to show more of that, hence the reason why there's so many national TV games that are in Sacramento this season. But still, this market is not a market where you can build and retool and ramp up a roster in a way that like an L.A. or Miami or even Phoenix, who was bad a handful of seasons ago. Phoenix is still a little bit bigger and better of a market to do that kind of thing uh, than the Sacramento Kings are. At the same time, though, Jay, I see like I see the Kings also kind of dipping their foot into the Golden State Warriors pool a little bit because very clearly Monty McNair is trying to not only get build a championship team, but have that championship team on the same kind of contract length and timeline to where they can 
essentially try to become a dynasty. Now you have to walk before you can run and run before you can sprint. Sprinting, full sprinting is that dynasty label. Kings right. are not even close to there yet. But you can see the fact that this entire starting lineup is under contract for minimum the next three years together. Malik Monk is the biggest offseason decision that the Sacramento Kings have coming up, and I think they're in a pretty good position to retain him, assuming he wants to stay here. Like, I don't know if we can blame Monty. If things don't go well this season, maybe we're disappointed in, in some of the decisions. Maybe like the Harrison Barnes move might be ridiculed a little bit. Oh, you decided to bring Harrison back and that didn't end up working out. You can always move on from that later. But I don't know if anybody's going to look back on this offseason and really blame Monty for any of the decisions that he made. No, I mean, I don't think he made any bad decisions. Again, when you look at what the free agent market was and who could have came to Sacramento, Kyle Kuzma, again, I think it was pretty clear he wanted to go to Washington. And I think some fans, they have this thing where they see a guy as being a free agent, right? And they automatically assume because that guy's a free agent, if the Kings offer them money, they're going to come play in Sacramento. Right. You saw a lot of guys re-up into the situations that they were in, whether it was Jeremy Grant in Portland. Again, Kyle Kuzma in Washington, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee. Those guys all wanted to go back to their home markets that they were in. So it wasn't like there was a lot of choices for Monty McNair to make. And quite frankly, I think the Harrison Barnes contract, after you saw some of those deals that were given out, I'm like, okay, that's not a bad move. To me, I think it was smart to kind of bet on this core once again to get better, to develop, having another offseason around them. But I think more than anything, what the offseason and, and Monty's moves, and kind of to your point, you can't really blame him, is I think Monty's expecting some internal growth. We've all heard about Keegan Murray this offseason. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing the Kings are expecting, internal growth with Keegan. I think there's another element to De'Aaron's game that they want to step up, probably on the defensive end, right? Another guy I would say look out for is if this guy can give you any sort of growth, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, Davion Mitchell takes a leap this year offensively and mm -hmm. can be a little more consistent with that shot. Two things happen. One, you have an improved basketball player on your team, so automatically you're going to be better. And two, if he can give you more minutes, that also takes away from some of the minutes you have to have De'Aaron playing, mm -hmm. which means De'Aaron can be more of a force on the defensive end if his minutes are going down a little bit. He doesn't have to spend as much time on the court. So I think Monty's gamble is a fair gamble. And yeah, if if it doesn't work out for the Kings this year, and by the way, it, for it not to work out for the Kings, I think that would be because of injuries. I think yes. if this team is healthy, you'll see a lot of what you saw last year. Yes. I don't, and you can't blame injuries on the GM. He's not going out. He's not signing guys to go out there and get hurt, obviously. But yeah, no, I, I think Monty McNair is pretty safe this year, regardless what happens. But again, I, I, I like I like the bet he's making on his roster, and I like the bet he's making on some of these guys taking an a big leap internally, which again, would I think elevate the Kings to um, above 50 wins this year. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by an all new sponsor. It's Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in case of an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the medication in 
hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. You can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E, medical.com, promo code Locked On. Let's talk about injuries a little bit because the Kings were far and beyond the healthiest team last season. It wasn't close. Like it was not close. The health luck was certainly on their side. Although I don't believe that should be used against the Kings and the accomplishments they made. If, if anything, that should be used to celebrate like the Kings training staff and what Sacramento was able to do to keep these players healthy. But maybe we should not expect the team to be as healthy this season as they were last season. I think Monty within reason I think Monty has done about as good of a job as he can do to put fail safes in place or depth in place where the Kings can handle and manage that. Of course, you lose Fox or you lose Sabonis for an extended period of time. That's one thing. Like replacing a star, you can't necessarily do that. But I like the depth on this team, Jay, at basically every position and the versatility of this roster and how Mike Brown staggers his lineups. I believe that this team can handle three-week absence of Harrison Barnes, a two-week absence of Keegan Murray, a two-and-a-half-week absence of De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis, and at the very least, tread water. And I think that's really all you can ask for from a roster like that. Oh, yeah, no, you lose a key piece. If you can, like, go to your point again against, you know, Keegan Murray, you lose Keegan Murray for three weeks. If you can tread water, and to me, treading water is around 500, and then get back to playing winning basketball when he gets back, absolutely. I mean... I feel like this roster really last year, once you got past the starting lineup, you had about three, maybe four guys you could truly rely on. Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, and, and Trey Lyles. Like, those were definitely those guys. It's like, okay, these are key cogs. But now you add a Vazankov. Now you add a guy like Chris Duarte. Now you have a JaVale McGee. Having three more additional pieces that you could rotate in, whether it's for injuries or you need to change up your lineup a little bit this year. And I think Monty McNair did a really good job of just giving Mike Brown more options. I think once Mike Brown kind of had to go to the Chemezi Metus and the Alex Linz and the Terrence Davises last year, that's when you knew he was just kind of desperate to get something going. But I think the guys that you've brought in towards the end of the bench, again, McGee, Duarte, and, I don't, and I'm not going to say Vizankov to the end of the bench because I don't think he will be. I think you'll see him get a lot of minutes very quickly. I think adding that kind of depth, again, it helps you when the injuries, but also when the Kings are struggling from a matchup standpoint – how many times last year did we see this team struggle with big lineups, man? Lineups with length, even when teams were, you know, I use Orlando as the example all the time. Orlando was not as talented as the Kings, but Orlando gave the Kings so many tough games because the Kings had trouble competing with their size. Yep. Now when you have that, you know, size difference, you have a JaVale McGee. You can go to at, on the bench now that can come in there and provide you some length and some protection around the rim. Or if you do want to play a little more small ball, we saw the Trey Lyles at the five lineup work a lot of times last year. Personally, I understand why Mike Brown went back to DeMontis Sabonis in game seven of that Warriors game that you're all NBA center. You're going to give him the nod there. But man, I thought Trey Lyles played fantastic, mm -hmm. especially in that seventh game. You know, he provided um, a lot of mismatches when you could have him out there stretching out the defense at the five spot. So I think you'll see him do that as well. But the lineup versatility that is provided now that you have a deeper bench is truly something that 
it's not splashy again. It's not sexy, but it is something to watch as a fan. It's going to make this team a lot better. Well, the Kings offense is not going to surprise anybody. In fact, a lot of people are going to be tuning in to watch that offense on display. But again, I don't know how you stop Sacramento's offense. Some teams might try to adopt the Golden State Warriors model. I don't know how many teams not named the Warriors can pull that off. And also, I think it's fair to expect that the Sacramento Kings know how to defeat and handle that defensive uh, uh, like game plan that the Warriors implemented much better now that they have a training camp, an offseason, individual work, teamwork to kind of address that. Like They're going to probably see that on, on the home opener against the Warriors and do they look better against it or does it still give them fits? Well, either way, I don't see too many teams being able to stop this Sacramento Kings offense. It's just that good and that versatile, but Jay, should we expect it to get even better than already historically how good it was last season, averaging 120 points per game, 119 offensive rating, which is the best in NBA history. I don't know if I can like realistically ask for more, Although I think this team is capable of doing it with additions like Vizenko and yeah, a better no. Keegan Murray. Oh, no, 100%. Again, you, you mentioned, I think Keegan elevating his game is one way to look at how this can get better. Um, you know, when you go back to that Warriors series and DeMontis Sabonis, and you talk about, you know, kind of scheming the way they schemed against him, which was the correct way to guard him, by the way. I think Domas is a much better outside shooter than he showed in that series. And I think mm-hmm. Domas knows that. Also, Domas will have two healthy hands in that home opener. You know, <laughs> knock on wood, obviously, that he didn't have, which I do think affected his shooting and kind of got into his own head a little bit. But I think Domas Simonis is a much better shooter, and if he can hit that outside shot with any sort of consistency, that will kill that scheme 100%. But, yeah, so it really comes down to can Keegan take that step up? Can Davion take that step up? You mentioned Ben Zankoff, and I think that's the going to be the funnest piece to watch coming off that bench simply because, look, he fits right in with this offense. And, you know, he spoke about that. Mike Brown has spoke about that. Monty McNair spoke about that. This isn't a this isn't a guy that's going to come in here and have to really have a, a learning curve when it comes to the offensive. He's going to fit right into that. You have Chris Duarte, who I believe shot 42% from three when he was in Indiana in games he played with DeMontis Simone. Yeah. So you have that element of it as well. Yeah, no, I think you can get better offensively. To me, it's what are you going to do on the defensive side of the ball this year? That, to me, is where if they can find that leap, which I do expect them to be better. We saw that this team could be more physical come playoff time. But also, I think defense is so much harder to learn than offense simply because offense, you're kind of running the same thing every night, right? Mm. Whereas defense, especially uh, in your first year as a team together learning a scheme, you're going up against different offensive sets night in and night out. So it's a little harder because you have to constantly make those adjustments on the defensive end. I think having a year together plus another training camp, seeing what we saw in the playoffs, I think this team can make a leap defensively this year. And they, they listen, they're never going to be a top 10 defense. So like get that out of your head already. But let's not forget the Denver Nuggets won the NBA title last year with the 15th best defense in the NBA. Mm-hmm. If the Kings can get 16, 17, 18 with that efficient of an offense, you're looking at a 50 plus win team this season. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season is here, but FanDuel still has an incredible offer for you on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 
and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. No matter what you bet on, no matter if you win that bet or lose that bet, $200 in bonus bets guaranteed right then and there. Plus all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now that is a killer deal. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. And look, you can use those bonus bets to pay for the remainder uh, of NFL Sunday ticket once you start winning and cashing in uh, on the bets that I know you're going to make over the course of the NFL season. Plus, when the NBA season starts too, uh, don't worry. FanDuel has great NBA action for you. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you simply don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. How much more, uh, simply put, like how much more can we ask of De'Aaron Fox, you think? You can ask more. I think offensively we've seen where the biggest thing with him is can you get your free throw percentage up? I think we've seen the three-pointer improve over time. Obviously, when he goes downhill, that floater game is really strong. When he gets in the lane, it's a wrap. You know, he's really worked on that part of his game. And you saw it fully come, you know, around last year. Once he's in the paint, expect him to score the ball. That's not changing. But can he hit from the line? Offensively, I think that is where his game needs to go. We always talk about that 40, 50, 90 shooting percentage. I don't ever think he's going to be 40 and 90 from three in the line. But if he's around 35 to 38, three and 80 to 85 line, that that's, again, that to me, if he has that kind of slash lines, I think he'll be over 50% from the field. Again, mm-hmm. you're going to see another all-NBA type season from De'Aaron. But can he improve defensively to me? And I think people get this idea that he should be a lockdown defender for four quarters. When you have to do what he has to do on offense, I just don't think that's super reasonable. But we saw him in the fourth quarter just really lock guys down last year when he wanted to. So the leap leap I'm looking for him to make on the defensive side is, okay, don't do that just in the fourth, but can you do that the entire second half? Mm -hmm. Can you shut down on the entire second half? Because if he does that, and makes that leap defensively, again, I think that's where we're talking about first, second team, All-NBA, if he can do that. It's a big ask, but I do believe he has the ability to do so. And Mike Brown has has mentioned a very similar thing. Mike Brown has been very open and honest, and and the fact that we've heard so many different players talk about how Mike Brown coaches De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis harder than anybody. And De'Aaron just said on Deuce and Mo uh, on that pod that Mike Brown is the kind of coach that he's been asking for. So Fox clearly has been responding well to that level of coaching. And Mike said in his postseason press conference or end of season press conference, like De'Aaron is capable of being that guy. And we should take Mike at his word. He's coached Kobe. He's coached LeBron. He's coached some of the greatest players ever to play this game. So he knows what it takes to get there. He thinks Fox is capable of that. So I have full faith that he'll be able to get that out of De'Aaron. But Jay, like this might be an overreaction because he's still fairly young and he still has a a decent time left on his deal. I think he still has three years left on his current contract. This kind of feels like a make or break season a little bit for Kevin Herter and his future in Sacramento, doesn't it? I've said this before that I think if you're looking at the trade deadline, um, come here and you want to make a move at the deadline, Kevin Herter will obviously be a guy that will be a key piece that they would probably float out there. I'm not sure this is a make or break season. I think the one thing you want to see from Kevin this year to really show that he is that two of the future in Sacramento is the consistency. Because mm-hmm. we saw it last year, man. When, he, when, when Kevin Herter is on, 
This team's going to win a lot of basketball games. He is so good, not just on the perimeter, but I think we found out last year too, him going to the basket and getting in the paint and scoring was a really under, I don't know if underreported is the right word, but man, when when we traded for him and acquired him, I don't think anyone really expected that part of his game. And I liked how he would do that at times last year when he couldn't hit from the three. He would go inside the paint, get a few buckets just to see the ball go in. But he had a couple months last year where he was just abysmal. And then obviously the playoff series against Golden State, I mean, I hate using the term disappeared because obviously he was out there trying to do other things, but he he was not a plus for the Sacramento Kings. So yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to create a make or break here, but for him to really establish himself as the two of the future on this team, I do think he has to show some consistency or if, you know, the Kings are in the market for somebody at the trade deadline or even next offseason, I do believe he would be a piece that they would dangle out there. He also showed off too. You talked about kind of an underrated element of his game. Malik surprised me with this also, but Malik was definitely more kind of flashy and direct about it. Kevin Herter is not a bad distributor either. And I don't know how much of those assist numbers coming up were because of the offense that the Kings play in, but Herter had a handful of games where you'd look up the scoreboard in the third quarter and he'd have like five, six, seven assists. You're like, okay, Kevin, where, where did this come from? He's not too bad as a distributor. No, he's not too bad as a distributor. And obviously in an offense that features De'Aaron Fox, who's not, people still get that like old school point guard mentality. They want to see more assists out of Fox. It's just not really his game. He's going to get you his dimes. He's just that good of a ball player. But yeah, it can't be DeMontis Sabonis in that starting five getting all the assists. You need another guy in there that, hey, if they take Domas away, that they can get the ball to a key piece on the offensive side. Yeah, Herter showed that at times last year. Um, I wouldn't expect that to be a consistent part of his game, but it is nice when it happens. You go back to Malik, and I think Malik's assists were, again, just the idea that once De'Aaron was off the floor or Domas was off the floor, this team didn't really have another distributor. Mm-hmm. And that was something where Malik kind of stepped up and did that. I don't think his game is best when he's in kind of that distributor role, but it is something he can do off the bench. You, you, you got to hope someone like Davion can maybe find that part of their game this year so that Malik can focus more on the scoring side. But yeah, no, both of those guys showed at times last year that they can definitely distribute the ball if need be. You think this team needs to add another kind of break glass in case of emergency backup point guard? It's funny. Is Jordan Ford going to be that guy? He just got the training camp invite. Right. You know, impressed in summer league. I thought he was really good in Stockton last year. What I like about him is he's extremely fast. He can pass the ball. And when you talk about break glass in case of emergency and you want someone that distribute the ball, listen, we all loved Matthew Della Vadova. I, I think Delhi was definitely there, you know, for his influence in the locker room. And mm-hmm. I, I never think something like that can go. I think it's a very underrated on what a vet can bring. But boy, when Delhi got in the game last year, it was an adventure. <laughs> you know, and I would like uh, for whoever that third point guard is this year to not be an adventure guy. So, I mean, do you look at a guy like DJ Augustine, a guy mm-hmm. who's been a distributor in this league for a long time, and maybe give him a look for that 15th roster spot? Are they expecting Colby Jones to maybe be that break class mm-hmm. in case of an emergency guy this year? I think that's a lot to ask for a rookie second round pick, but they do have a lot of confidence in him and what he can develop. So, I do think that they're going to have to find that guy. Whether, again, it's a, it's a guy that's on a training camp deal, a rookie, or if they bring in a vet because they do have one open roster spot left, it will be interesting to see who fills that void. But, you know, with Nerlens Noel being cut and Kata being cut, I, I think that's a pretty clear indication that it'll definitely be a guard taking up that last roster spot. <laughs> yeah, finally, Jay, I'm glad you brought those two up because that's how I wanted to end. I wanted to ask you the decision to 
basically commit to your two backup centers, even though I still think Trey Lyles is going to spend a majority of the time as your backup five committing to JaVale McGee and Alex Len and basically removing any training camp competition before it could be started. You essentially paid Kata and paid Nerlens Noel to have them potentially come and then not come. And they just got like, I think Nerlens Noel got like $200,000 just for signing the dotted line and right. never had to report or do anything. So I think then he got like 300 or those numbers might be uh, flipped, but yeah, I think there was about a half million dollars. They just gave away yesterday when they let those two guys go. Hey man, sign me up for that. I'll sign that piece of paper and get paid and not even show up. But do you think that's the right decision for the Kings to just commit to the two and, and not even spend the time on the training camp battle? No, 100%. I mean, and to your point, I think you're almost committing to the three with Trey Lyles being able to play that backup five and then JaVale and then Alex Lynn, as we saw last year, even, you know, Alex Lynn got playing time in the playoffs. Yeah. I think JaVale will, you know, be ahead of him on the depth chart, but if you absolutely have to have that break last in case of emergency guy, I think Alex Lynn's shown that he can give you 10 to 15 minutes a night and you can live with that. Yeah. I don't think there was really need for a training camp battle at that point, just because Lynn and McGee are on guaranteed deals for the season. So you would have really been bringing in possibly Noel or Nemi to be the 15th guy. They'd have been again, arguably the fifth center on the roster. That's just not a thing. So I think I don't think they had any expectation that the Mavs were going to let go of JaVale McGee, and I think that's why Noel and Kata were brought in to compete in the first place. But yeah, once they locked up JaVale, and you know JaVale McGee spent time with Mike Brown in Golden State, was a big part of those Warriors championship teams, and I'm sure Mike Brown was a big advocate for bringing JaVale McGee in. Once JaVale McGee became available, I, I don't, I don't think Kata would have made the team. I don't think Nerlens would have made the team. I think people fell in love with the idea of Nerlens Noel versus the reality of Nerlens Noel, where this is a guy that's just not a great NBA player anymore, <laughs> or yeah. never really was, but, you know, is is a somewhat serviceable NBA player now. He's not going to give you much of anything. Yeah, maybe I might be slightly guilty of that too, because I've loved the idea of Nerlens Noel in Sacramento for years, knowing full well that the fact that he couldn't stay any one place for very long was probably not going to bode well for his King's future. But I always like the idea of room protection, but also Mike Brown is a head coach that's, openly says that blocks is a dumb stat and blocks doesn't matter. Rim protection goes beyond just blocking shots. So you'd rather secure the possession with a defensive rebound than you would block a shot and swat it out of bounds and give them another shot at it. So we'll, uh, we'll see what the Kings do going forward. Jay, it's always a treat to have you on my friend. We have to do this more often. would love to have you periodically throughout the season. And then some, uh, I think it's going to be a wild year, no matter what they're going to be ups. They're certainly going to be downs. Expectations are high. I think it's going to be a really, really fun year. Uh, and I'm looking forward to having you as, uh, as, as part of the amazing group of guests that I get to talk to over the course of the year. So I uh, can't wait to do it again, my friend. Congratulations on the next step for you. And uh, I can't wait to, to to chat with you soon. Hey, man, anytime. I got free time. So just get, you know, I'm a text message away. We'll make it happen. Whether it's here on TV, man, always happy to join you. Always fun to talk Kings basketball. Huge thank you to Jay Mars for joining me on the Locked On Kings podcast. Looking forward to having him on uh, more this season and in the in the near future. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Do you feel like the Sacramento Kings are still kind of under the radar? Maybe underrated is the worm that, that you would want to use. Do you feel that way or do you think no? The Kings are very much established. Teams definitely know what the Kings are bringing, and they're going to have to prove that they can take it to that next level. They're going to have to prove that they can even stay at the level that they're currently at or the level that they got to last season. Let's talk about it. I think there's great arguments to be made for both sides. Let's discuss it. At Matt George Sack on Twitter. 
mattgeorgesports at gmail.com if you want to email me and you can uh, get involved in the YouTube comment section down below. Appreciate your support as always here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.